Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. We've talked about breast cancer many times on Friday Night Clive and I offer no apology for talking about it again. We've talked to both medics and sufferers of the disease but one thing that stands out in most of the discussions I've had uh, is that breast cancer is synonymous with women. However, rarely are men mentioned when it comes to breast cancer but men have breasts and breast tissue and can suffer with breast cancer as well. Joining me on the line now is James Richards who has been fighting male breast cancer and has set up an organisation called Moobs uh, to help and support men who receive breast cancer diagnosis and if you were up at the crack of dawn this morning and had BBC Breakfast News on you would have seen James live and in person in the flesh talking to Charlie State and Naga Munchetti. So given the fact he's been on the go for at least 11, no, no, 13 hours now, it's very good of him to join me on the line and he's here now. Good evening, James. Good evening, Clive. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, first of all, James, how are you? Uh, I, I'm good. You know, it's, uh, I think like uh, like most cancer sufferers will tell you, it's, it's sort of a, a, an up and down journey. But um I think for me, I, I'm sort of making the most of it. Um, you know, I finished chemotherapy a, a, about six weeks ago, so I'm uh, just about to head into some um, some surgery in about uh, ten days' time. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, keep it keeping optimistic, Clive. Keeping optimistic. I'll come on to the surgery in a moment, but for mm. you know, we're always told to check ourselves, check our anatomy, and you know. Mm. We, and I think that goes for anybody at any age, really. But it's more, more, mm. more synonymous with with people who are older, kind of thing. Um, yeah. But how did you first discover that something was wrong, and what on earth went through your mind when you realised something might not be quite right? Yeah. So um, I, I, I was actually in a. This is back in January. I was I was in a meeting at work, and um, I just I, I, I crossed my arms. I felt a, a sort of small lump, um, sort of next to my nipple, just. Uh, under the skin and um to be fair I, I didn't really think much of it at the time um you know i'd been it was a sort of new year's resolution so i was working out a lot and i thought maybe it was one of those cases of you know just a, a strange bump that had come through exercise and um it was only when a, a colleague sort of mentioned that i should go into the gp check out because he had had his own scare a few years previously that um that i you know went and thought it'd be a good idea but you know it was still four or five weeks, really, until I kind of actually booked that appointment, despite knowing that. And but why the latency? Why the latency uh, from when you realised to when you booked that appointment? I mean, if I'm honest, Clive, I, I didn't think men could get breast cancer. Um, I didn't think it was something to worry about. Um, you know, it hurt a little bit, and you know, the, the sort of knowledge I had was. Um, you know, tumours don't hurt, and um, you know, I, I, in my mid thirties, relatively healthy. Um, so, you know, it, it was it wasn't something that was kind of a priority, if I'm honest. And um, went to the doctors, the GP, um, didn't seem to think there was too much to worry about, but I was referred uh, to a breast clinic. Um, went to the breast clinic, and the, the first consultant I saw was, you know, it's, it's nothing really to worry about. Um, but you know, that seems sort of changed. You know, I went into an ultrasound and. Um, you know, and then it kind of, you get on that conveyor belt and uh, and that's when I was sort of told that I had breast cancer. Um, and sort of to your point about how do I feel, I mean, 
at first, you know, I was trying to process that I had had cancer primarily. Mm. And I think it really kind of struck me um, with the sort of leaflets and the literature I was given in, when I was going home in the car. And uh, the first bullet point was um, <laughs> the advice was to wear a loose fitting bra. And I always tried to find the funny side in sort of like the dark moments in mm. life. But I think it was one of those <laughs> things where it hit me that I thought, you know, there's kind of a lack of tailored support for, for male breast cancer. And it's just kind of gone from there, really. But what was it like going into a clinic like that where you would invariably see females with breast cancer mm. or partly on that journey and you're a male? That must have been I odd. mean, uh, do, yeah, no, of course. I mean, at first, when I was when I was going there, I, I, I saw sort of kind of the funny side in it because, I, 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 again, I didn't think men could get breast cancer. You know, it's, it, it's just one of those things. But I think afterwards, it, it, again, it kind of highlights it. You know, cancer can be quite isolating as it is. And I think coming out of that and, and you know, seeing that it was a, a sort of heavily dominated sort of waiting room with women, it kind of hit home that fact. And I think it's, it's things like that which has sort of helped me sort of set up moves. It was the, one of the parts of, of, of what we do is we have a, a support group, a monthly support group, where we sort of bring together men of, of all stages of their journey and sort of discuss that and to kind of, you know, challenge the, the isolation that is kind of comes with uh, something like male breast cancer. What did your family think when you told them? Um, well, actually, it, it was only very, very close family I told. Um, so the immediate family and only actually a, a few friends. And um, it's a strange one. I'm, I'm a very open book, but even I felt sort of, a sort of element of, of, of um, stigma and, and taboo around it. And, um, you know, I, I know this is something that it isn't just felt by me. I, I was actually connected to a, to a guy who actually wanted to remain anonymous, but it's, it's a very interesting story to, to highlight the point. And, um, you know, he's uh, big into sports, big into sort of like, you know, fitness. And uh, he said, you know, I've, I've always seen myself as a very masculine man, but I found it very emasculating. And he only told a, a, a handful of people. Mm. Um, and he's had a, a, a mastectomy. And um, he said that when he goes to rugby training now, he sort of like changes so people can't see that he's had that. And, you know, that, it, it's something that's like quite worrying. And, and like I said, I think it's the whole point about what I'm trying to do with moods is to kind of get that conversation going. And a big part of that is to challenge the language around breast cancer, that, that men can get it. And I think unless we do that, we're not really going to be challenging those taboos and stigmas. I think us chaps are generally rubbish about talking about mm. things like this. You know, our own health. We, we I've done programmes about mental health in the past and the same things that mm. keep, keep coming to the forefront that us chaps mm. are habitually rubbish <laughs> about saying, you know, being open about, you know, our own health. Yes. No, of course. I think one thing that's quite interesting is... Um, the mortality rate in, in men with, with breast cancer is 19% higher. Um, now, that's really? a US study because we don't... Yeah, we, that's a US study. We don't have UK numbers, and, and, and part of the problem is, is funding and, and research um, mm. with that. But, you know, you, you can speculate and you can say, well, you know, maybe it's because, you know, there's that whole awareness thing that men, you know, don't get breast cancer, but also combined with the anecdotal evidence that men just kind of don't go to the doctors. 
if it isn't that, then we have to actually research and find out why there's that higher mortality rate. And again, it's the thing that I'm doing with Moves is, is trying to, to highlight that and try and get, you know, more funding and research for male breast cancer. Because, you know, currently the numbers is around 370 to 400 diagnoses a year in men. And that might be quite small compared to the 55,000 women who get diagnosed every year. But every single one of those numbers is a story. So they're, you know, someone's grandfather or father or partner, uncle, son, you know, and no one deserves to sort of die of ignorance, let alone ignorance that is none of their sort of doing. Um, mm. So it, it's about changing that, that messaging around breast cancer. Talk me through then the treatment programme that you've been uh, going through so far. Mm. So, um, so I started off with chemotherapy. So, um, initially it was um, one sort of infusion every two weeks, quite a quite a strong um, chemotherapy drug. And then halfway through uh, my treatment, the results came back. This was genetic, so I've got the BRAC2 gene, um, and that has a lot of ramifications for me, kind of going forward in terms of um, I'm more susceptible to things like pancreatic and, and, and prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, I kind of went on to uh, two different drugs and every week for another 12 weeks. So that obviously added a lot of time onto my treatment. But I think the thing to really highlight here is about the surgery element. And, um, you know, in one week, I went from being told I was having a single mastectomy to a double, then back to a single, and then not mastectomy, more a central excision, which is sort of just a sort of a smaller mastectomy. It's like uh, removing a nipple and just a little bit more of the, the breast tissue. Mm. Um, so it's kind of been very up and down, and it's it's a kind of cookie cutter approach of well, this is kind of how we do it in women, um, and that's the sort of stuff that we kind of need to challenge. We need to we need to get more funding for this to actually have you know a template because. Again, you know, I say it's around 400 diagnoses. In, in 10 years, that's 4,000 men um, who are going to be going on this journey. So it feels like we, we need to be sort of kind of like hitting this point home to find out where we can kind of get that research and, and funding from. Now, you said you're going to undergo some surgery. Uh, is it next week? Is that just to remove that part of the nipple and the lump? Yes, precisely that. Um, I'm getting part of my lymph nodes removed as well. So usually when you get breast cancer, and this is the same in both men and women, um, so the lymph nodes act sort of like a filter. So usually if you have uh, breast cancer, it'll also kind of show in the lymph nodes. It's sort of like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. They go hand in hand and, and dance cheek to cheek. Um, but yeah, so that'll be in, in the next 10 days. Um, and then after that, it's uh, radiotherapy. And then later on next year, um, I'll be having reconstructive surgery. Now, you mentioned this BRAC2 gene. If you're in a position uh, at some point, you know, to choose whether to have a family, I'm assuming that perhaps you don't have a family at the moment, but would any Mm. children that you have have to be tested for that? Um, Yes, that's correct. However, there are actually things that can be done. Um, So I actually spoke to a genetics expert who said the the BRAC2 gene can actually be removed from the embryo. So there is actually stuff that's kind of happening like now, I think. Yeah, I, we're, you know, we're on the cusp of a real technological revolution when it comes to healthcare. I think, you know, AI is going to help a lot of things like early detection and, and, and new techniques and methods. Um, so, you know, the, the future is bright in, in terms of that. Um, but obviously there are those immediate concerns. Um, but it's, it's not on the horizon at the moment, Clive. <laughs> so what advice would you give to other men listening to this and navigating the healthcare system with a similar diagnosis mm-hmm. or they may have suspicions? 
Yeah, look, I, I think if there's one thing to, to take away um, from this, it's just to, you know, that men can get breast cancer um, and to check and to, uh, you know, it's, it's actually, it's much easier for men to, to check than, than women. You know, you can do it in the shower. You know, maybe it's something you do kind of with your partner, you know, like a spice up shower time or something to, to check for a lump. But, um, you know, the NHS are great. But I would always say to, to kind of do your own research as well and to actually, you know, if you have received a diagnosis or you're worried, to head to the website, so it's um, moobs.uk, um, and you can, you can join with our group, so you can send me an email confidentially and, you know, you can share your concerns. And I think, you know, every person's journey is different, um, but, you know, when you have other people who are actually in the same situation or have been in a situation, it will alleviate concerns. So, you know, I think check any issues, go straight to the GP. It's likely to be nothing. But, you know, it's, it's better to be safe than sorry. And also, you know, don't wait because you don't want it to be too late. No, that's right. Quick early diagnosis is key with anything, really. Uh, I mean, exactly. I guess this has had, or the, the fact that you were having this forthcoming surgery has must have had an impact on your thought of self-image and your mental well-being. I mean, you mentioned your friend earlier on who'd had, had it mm. done already and then when changing in front of others, hid away. Mm. Um, you know, what effect has this had on you now? I mean, it, the uncertainty has been difficult because it feels that once you get your sort of head around something, it's it sort of changed. Um, and, you know, I, I was saying earlier to, to a friend, you know, there is the, you know, the treatment that you're having kind of going on, the ongoing, so you've got the king's having surgery, um, which will sort of, because the cancer's curative, um, you know, because mm. it, was, it, was, it was caught early. But, you know, the, the mental ramifications of it will, will go on indefinitely. Um, and that includes, you know, your, your, your self-image. Um, so it's certainly something that, you know, I'm going to have to work on. And I think, you know, this, this move support group is, is just as much for me as it, as it is for everyone else. Um, and it's that whole thing of like, you know, you're, you're not alone, but you know, if we can challenge the stigmas and raise awareness of this, there isn't the taboo anymore. Um, and, uh, and people should hopefully feel more comfortable, um, you know, talking about it. Well, that's my hope anyway. What more do you think could be done then to promote awareness of this? Because we're having this conversation mm. now. You will have done interviews probably throughout the day when mm. I said we were on breakfast this morning. But even I find that when I do um, sort of discussions and, and programmes about this, um, mm. it's the same thing that's recurring that needs to be more done to raise awareness. Mm. And yeah. We're still having these conversations. I've been doing this program five years, and I'm still having mm. the same kind of conversation. So, from a, from <coughs> your perspective of somebody who has experienced this now, mm. what do you think could be done? Yeah, I, I think that there's one crucial thing, um, and it has to happen. And that's that's challenging that language. Language has to be changed. So, you know, it, it's that whole thing. If you don't know, you won't go. And I think, you know. For me, you know, as a man, I've always been aware of that, you know, it's testicular or, or you know, prostate cancer. And, you know, for women, it's ovarian and, and breast. Mm. And I think, you know, unless you'll change that language in the iconography, you know, I mean, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is fantastic. And, you know, awareness around breast cancer women has never been higher. And that's only a good thing. But I think that the traditional manly viewpoint is something that's pink and sort of heavily skewed towards women. Men will switch off. Um, and they won't really take that in. They'll look at, a, you know, a news article, and they'll say something about breast cancer, and they'll switch off. They won't actually listen to that. So the first step 
is changing that language and challenging all that iconography around that. Once we do that, and, and you know, I've, I've got a very loud voice, but I can only do <laughs> so much. Um, and I really need to pass the baton on to, you know, the, the big sort of, you know, breast cancer charity, like Breast Cancer Now, Breast Cancer Research, to, you know, get in touch and for us to kind of work together in terms of how we can communicate this more effectively. Um, because men are missing out on vital information that could save their lives. What reaction have you had from s- these charities? Uh, actually, it's been quite interesting. I've had quite a few emails today coming through. Um, having heard some of the interviews I've done who are really keen to sort of meet up and, and sort of discuss. Um, and so we'll obviously see what, where those conversations lead. But, um, you know, it really, really needs to happen. And um, I'm hoping that today is, is, is day dot, essentially. And from here, we can really move forward. And like I said, change the language around it and, um, and, and save lives, ultimately. And as you say, if, if people, you know, have those suspicions, you get off your backside and go and see your doctor. There's nothing embarrassing about it. Your doctor's seen it all before. But that, that mm. I guess, is the first place to go, first place to start. Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, and if it's, if, you know, if you're nervous, first of all, visit the website, moves.uk, first of all. You know, check if you have any of, like, the, the symptoms or, or anything like that. And then, you know, and then go from there. But like I said... You know, it, 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 it's, you know, it doesn't take long to spend a, a doctor's just to kind of get that, that sort of all clear. Um, and like I said, if you can catch, uh, you know, cancer early generally, but particularly breast cancer, the, the chance of survival, you know, and living a long life is extremely good. Absolutely. What more can we learn from moobs then, James? Um, I, I think, like I said, I've tried not to overcomplicate things i think for me it's it's just that that main takeaway that that men can get breast cancer um and you know from the conversation i had the few people i told you know so many people were surprised that they could get it and that's the that's the key thing we need to do just that that men can get breast cancer that's the only thing that's important at the moment just to kind of clear that hurdle and then we can kind of go from there just give your website another mention james if you will of course, so it's www.moobs.uk, um, but people can also um, follow us on Instagram and, uh, and, and X um, with uh, at moobs underscore UK. James Richards from Moobs, thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Live. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 6 o'clock p.m., And if you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by me, Clive Payne, and produced by Andy Caddick.